Hello there, it's me, it's Matt, back, back at it again, uh, and I'm here to talk about a few new movies this week. Uh, there's been, it's been a little over a week since my last episode. I was planning on doing a episode covering the best and worst movies of the year so far, but I'm deciding to push that episode back until August, primarily because I there are some movies I want to see before I do it. I mean, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, for example, is coming out this weekend. And there's a certain movie I'm going to talk about today that I wanted to see beforehand. But that episode is being pushed back. And today, instead, I will be talking about three new releases. Uh, the Lion King, which has already been breaking box office records uh, all over the place after its opening weekend. Uh, the Art of Self-Defense, an indie film that recently went nationwide uh, starring Jesse Eisenberg. And Stuber, a buddy comedy starring Kumail Nanjin and Dave Bautista that also went to South by Southwest earlier this year premiering there. And funny enough, it's also the first rated R Disney movie in over six years and that's kind of a technicality since Disney bought Fox and this is a Fox movie but it is interesting to kind of point that out now and it's interesting to see Disney as this new studio that will be kind of dabbling in R-rated fare in the future but aside from that that's just my intro for those uh and i'm gonna start with the lion king because it's obviously the biggest of the three and you know everyone knows what the lion king is at this point it's the 1994 animated original is one of disney's most noteworthy films it's not only a great collection of kind of music and a lot of great animated actors and just a really timeless story i i think what makes the appeal of it is kind of the the message about it you know about the you know the circle of life it, it's something that i think can hit home to any audience at any age and that's kind of what makes disney's some of disney's best films their best is it has this mass appeal that it can reach in effect and the relationship between you know, Simba and Mufasa, that father-son dynamic was an another really memorable part of the original. And it it's just a movie, you know, you could, it's like one of those movies you can't spoil for people because everyone knows what happens. It's been so seen to death and it's so iconic. But Disney has been on the trend of remaking their old movies. Uh, recently, we've had The Jungle Book was their first real foray into doing that along with Cinderella, uh, Peach Dragon, which was a really big success. And then this year we've had Dumbo, which I didn't see, and Aladdin, which I, I people have been mixed on, but I, I thought it was actually a pretty fun and a, a really welcomed uh, return to form for Will Smith. But this film, it's basically as close as you can get to a shot-for-shot shot remake, except from and we're going from 2d animation to kind of live action these uh animals look as lifelike as possible and the the actual effects work here is is very impressive but i guess the premise for those of you who don't know uh simba you know he's a cub idol who idolizes father king mufasa and takes to heart his his own royal destiny 
but not everyone in the kingdom celebrates the new Cubs arrival, Scar, uh, Mufasa's brother, and former heir to the throne has his own plans. And the movie kind of follows Scar as he, he makes his push for the throne and you know what happens. I, I don't really need to get into the story too much for this movie, but it, it's, you know, I think it's been interesting to see the kind of dissection between, you know, audiences, opinions and critics, because the reviews for this movie have been pretty mixed to, to middling while audiences have loved the movie. And I think uh, I, I can't help but side with the more critical perspective, because this is a movie that really does nothing new or interesting with this Lion King material and not only that it doesn't even give us that good of an iteration of the Lion King story uh it's really it just feels like a shell of the original and it's for for me really disappointing to say that because out of all the remakes that were coming out this year between Aladdin and Dumbo I thought this was the one that probably had the most potential to be a genuinely good movie uh but to really break it down, I think first off, to just straight shot for shot remake this movie, not only is it it's a lazy choice, but it's an uninspired choice that really doesn't fit the visual look for this movie. So having kind of the animals talk and do these like dancing uh, numbers, the animal designs look good when they're just kind of stoic and standing and in their natural kind of animal form but when they start singing and stuff it looks really silly and out of place i remember uh a week before the release of this movie a clip came out of akuno atara and i remember watching it and just seeing the movement on the animals and like their how their like lips kind of droop when they're trying to sing and it just it just didn't look right and that kind of hidden valley effect really translates to this movie and makes a lot of the I think emotional like story beats of this movie a lot less effective because it the the characters just don't have that kind of does it doesn't have those kind of empathetic and very big and emotional designs that you would get from an animated character where you can really kind of express an emotion very strongly express Simba's fear or his excitement or something like that uh it's really just kind of tight here and it's not as emotionally uh, effective and it's a shame to say that and another real big shame with this movie is you have a really great cast you have i mean i could don glover beyonce james earl jones juelta ejiofor john oliver alfrey woodard seth rogan billy eckner eric andre key and michael key you know it's great eclectic group of actors but very few of them are really given a chance to you know make their presence felt in their character i think seth rogan as uh pumbaa is is great it's he's it's he's a it's he's a very he's a very he's just a naturally funny guy so he's able to make for some laughs i think john oliver as this kind of high strong uh version of zazu is is also has these funny moments but it's like don glover and beyonce knowles who are supposed to be the stars as simba and nala they're really it, they feel like it's they're not in the movie that much and they don't have that much to do i would say like obviously the way don glover is plays simba and his adult years he's not you know on screen as much but at the same time it doesn't feel like this movie gives either 
actor that much of a chance to really make the character their own gives them the screen time to really kind of develop it, it feels a lot more focused on just hitting those familiar story beats and kind of go it, it feels like kind of like a greatest hits thing where you're just going through oh, we got to hit this story beat you know we got to hit this this it's like you remember this it, it's completely reliant on the nostalgia of audiences and if you really love the original i can see someone seeing this and being like yeah it's, it is lion king i'm i'm happy but for me i i really like the original but i it, it's not one of those movies where i have a, a great attachment to it i just like it as a movie so i, I have a lot less a uh, harder of a time seeing just something that's a shameless kind of shot for shot remake that doesn't do anything with a movie uh when i was watching it i thought you know it would have been really interesting if disney just said let's cut all the talking and you know have we will have a music number to play in the background or something but imagine if it was just the animals kind of interacting as they naturally do and not only would it have fit the live action kind of design more but it just would have been a a different you know kind of visceral but i think still effective way of telling the story and i mean i'm not saying that's what disney should have done but i'm saying disney should have tried something different with this like to just so shamelessly like all the only thing you really change is it's live action it doesn't add anything to this movie and it, it just since it's so much less effective as the emotional beats and kind of the story in general since it's just less effective it's just really a, a dull and boring experience there was very few times I, i felt myself very engaged or entertained by the movie and it's a shame because i saw it with you know a big pack crowd on a thursday night everyone you know excited for the movie but i gotta say it it was just kind of a dud for me and honestly would not be surprised if it made an appearance on a this most disappointing or even like a worst of list because it just it's so uninspired it just does nothing uh, of note or interest and you know Disney, you got all the resources. Like I, you got all the money, you got all the actors. You have John Favreau, who's a good director. You, it's just there's all the pieces are there. So I, there's really no excuse to come up with such a lazy kind of final product. So The Lion King, I'm gonna sadly give a three out of ten. Just stay at home and watch the original if you have any interest in seeing this. It's really not worth the time in the theater and yeah i just ugh, yikes I'm, i've kind of forgotten about the movie since i've seen it like not even a week ago a little yeah less than a week ago and it, it feels like i've seen the movie months ago but that's how bad movies work i guess they quickly you know forgotten in the mind but let's move on to a better movie and by better movie i mean one of the year's best and that is the art of self-defense Uh, for those of you who don't know what this movie is, it's a uh, indie film starring the great Jesse Eisenberg from Social Network and directed by Riley Stearns, who did the underrated horror thriller Faults a few years back. Uh, this is a kind of interesting, I call it a dark comedy. It's, it's probably the most apt way to describe it. And it follows a man named Casey, played by Eisenberg, who's attacked at random on the street and you know he's kind of this kind of i don't want to say wimpy but like 
he, he's very he's kind of pushed around by everyone around him he's been kind of just constantly overlooked in his life uh from what we've seen and he one day tries enlists in a local dojo uh led by a charismatic and mysterious sensei in an effort to learn how to defend himself and what he really uncovers is a sinister world of fraternity violence and hyper masculinity uh that has a lot darker edge to it than he previously expected so that's the the letterbox plot description uh interesting description letterbox uh but the movie itself is is a fucking i had a blast (laughs) with this movie it's it's really kind of a rare blee uh blend of comedy and just kind of really fucked up dark moments that we don't see anymore it it kind of in vain of uh bad santa which really comes to mind but uh what what's really great about this movie is jesse eisenberg uh the actor i think he's really one of the more underrated uh actors working because a lot of people just see him and think of uh, the awkward kind of kind of performance where he's always mumbling and stuff like that but as he shows with this movie and i think other movies there's a real kind of depth under the surface to his some of his performances that make them really uh, effective as casey in this movie he's he's so believable as this kind of nebbish awkward kind of dork you know you can't help but feel bad for as the world is just kind of like passing him by and you know everyone's ignoring him and they do a great job of setting up the character and giving the audiences a real kind of understanding of who he is before he gets to this dojo and all of a sudden you start to see this transformation where you know those his edges start getting sharpened and he's become this very a great aggressive and abrasive guy and you you see this total change in person and it's his performance i think has a very naturalistic change uh uh, throughout and it at times it feels like he's almost playing an act of trying to be a tough guy but through certain points in the movie and certain actions he does you there's this real darkness there and this real it's also really sad because you just feel you know him as a person acting out against all the times you know he was been pushed down by the world and it's kind of once he learns how to you know embrace his own strength he kind of takes out that anger upon the world and it's it's kind of it's really interesting ideal and i think it kind of you know encapsulates kind of hyper masculinity as you know the premise talks about and th- with this character and also all the characters in the movie especially uh the sensei who's played by alessandro nivole an actor i honestly haven't seen much of but he makes a really fantastic impression he's this great uh kind of I like sociopathic uh sensei who's just like he's got that kind of charming persona where you you it's like, wow, this guy, you know, he seems nice. You know, he, he seems one way, but he has this completely different side to him and different edge. And I think both Eisenberg and Navolva do a great job with their performances and balancing kind of, you know, the person they show they are and the who they really are, kind of showing that kind of double edge uh, and having a lot of complexion to their characters. And it, it, as a, it's a movie that I think 
not only works great throughout the dramatic beats, but it's just wicked funny. You have these act like Eisenberg. He's a master at these kind of nebbish characters, and as he, the first half, a lot of the humor just comes from him kind of coming into this completely masculine and rah, tough guy world of you know and. All, all the different side characters as well, uh, Imogen Poots, uh, Steven Terade, along with a couple other indie actors, uh, do a really good job of making all the characters in this movie feel kind of distinct and lived in while also getting some laughs uh, on their own. And I think this is a movie where the third, I was kind of watching it, I was really enjoying it, but I was also like kind of nervously awaiting how the third act was going to go because a lot of movies like this they start in a certain way they have this really great energy and then they kind of you know go go towards something more familiar and something more safe to kind of give audiences you know the kind of movie they would expect but i think riley stearns as a director and writer uh, not only does he keep this movie moving on its own very unique and kind of offbeat pace but he really doubles down on the, the darkness and like kind of the twisted nature of the premise and takes these characters and the story to some really interesting and kind of unexpected places i think this movie constantly kept me on my toes there'd be scenes where it's like oh this is like i think there's a the certain central twist which i think kind of the, the letterbox description already kind of gave away it is kind of predictable but certain plot beats especially in the third act and are, are really surprising and, and, and it's, it's great to see a movie with genuine surprises and i think it also the story creates a lot of there's a lot of interesting things that you can just kind of infer and pick up from the characters that really adds to this world. And uh, I, I think it's just a really fantastic movie because it's it really nails that comedy and dramatic edge to perfection. Very few movies, I think, are able to kind of balance out both and, and make them you know effective and within scenes even there's moments where there's you know a laugh and then there's something completely horrible happens and it's like holy shit you can't help but just be shocked but i i really love this movie and it's definitely among my favorite releases of the year i definitely i don't know if i'm gonna give it a 10 yet i it's definitely at least a nine or a nine and a half but i i kind of want to i like to see movies a second time before I give them a 10, but this is it's definitely either my favorite movie of the year or amongst uh, my favorites. It's a very great and unique movie that I think does a lot of things that movies today just don't even bother trying. And I, I love that there's a lot of depth to it. And I think the commentary on kind of hyper masculinity is also very effective because that's a very commonplace uh you know problem in society today so i really love this and i i'm glad it got a wider push i'm sad at the box office results for it. what weren't great you know the specialty releases this summer have had a tough time connecting with a wider audience fair hope i hope the farewell which is a movie starring uh, off uh, Awakafina, I think that's how you pronounce her name. Uh, it, it's going, it's it's doing very well in limited, and it's continuing towards a nationwide push. Hopefully, that'll be kind of 
the first narrative special release this summer to really break out because so far besides this and the dead don't die we really haven't had many specialty releases reach a wider audience and you know i i'm from you know western mass i'm not able to see indie movies when they're released in kind of their their more specialty rollout so i really like when movies like this are able to expand and it's a shame it didn't do great but i'm sure this is a movie that can find a great audience uh when it comes out on streaming or anything like that uh but to end the show today one more movie and that is stuber uh kind of a dumb name it's kind it's it's a pun in the movie though they they make the joke but it's basically a throwback to the buddy comedy films of of yesteryear you know kind of the the rush hour where it's these two very kind of offbeat people having to achieve a mission together but this it you know the premise is a bit different uh we follow Stu, who's this kind of uber driver at a crossroads in his life he's you know very insertive and just you know going by the wayside in a way and he's just doing his usual uh uber you know after work routine when a cop named let's see vic played by dave batista uh demands that he drives him around to help him catch a heroin dealer who also oh excuse my burp jeez i just had some popeyes um a, a drug dealer who also is personally connected to vic through uh, a certain thing I, i won't spoil but it's the movie kind of follows their kind of mismatched relationship as they they find themselves through these wild stakeouts and shootouts as uh vic tries to kind of bust the dealer so it's a very kind of familiar and simple premise and i would say the movie in general is both of those things very familiar and very simple but for what it is it it works uh and i think mainly due to the talent of the star actors uh kumail nanjin uh is a very very talented comedic actor i love silicon valley i've watched that show since it came out and i've loved it for years and i'm glad he's getting a chance in you know big mainstream movies to really show uh what he has as a comedic actor because he he's really funny and he's great at being this kind of high strung you know you know a way over his head guy in in stew who's just everything is constantly like oh my god he, he brings a lot of great comedic energy to this part and at the same time dave batista is a perfect counterbalance to that because he's very kind of even keel he's this classic kind of tough guy persona to him but at the same time he has this very kind of underway hand, way of uh you know jab throwing jabs and you know i think batista general has shown he has his own kind of like i he, his very his comedic uh ability is very like is very unique to him like he has this kind of way of playing to the the kind of the doofus persona that that's always very funny as he's done with tracks and he he does i think both of them do a good job of kind of playing to their strengths here and as an offbeat team they, they really work they really balance off each other really well and i think both actors uh have a great chemistry and it obviously seems like they they had a fun time kind of making this movie and that and that's i think important in a movie like this that's 
you know, not the most serious in the world. You want there to be kind of an infectious energy and you, you feel like, you know, everyone involved, you know, actually gave a shit and it's not just this kind of generic cash grab. And I, I could tell with both Najin and Batista that they were, were giving a pretty sincere effort. And yeah, I, I think they give this movie a lot of spark. And I also want to give a shout out to director Michael Douse, who's done a lot of smaller movies like What If and Goon. Uh, Take Me Home Tonight also rings a, a bell maybe to some audiences, but he this is his fun, kind of first foray into the kind of action comedy subgenre. I guess Goon had a couple of action scenes with the hockey moments, but this is his first real uh, action comedy, and he does a, good, a pretty decent job uh, with the action scenes, especially considering it's a lower budgeted movie at around like 15 million i believe uh, they're infused with enough kind of style uh, the shootouts especially i think were really nailed well because he does a good job of having very clear geometry as to what's going on while also finding stylish ways to kind of show the action and while kind of involving comedy in them as well the action i think that's when it's at its best is when it's one moment it's like oh shit you know it's this big this guy just got effed up and then there's a, a joke it's like kind of the you know the moment of levity after the 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 big exciting sequence it's that those are like the kind of the highlights of the movie i think in my mind and when the movie's really able to nail that balance it's it's definitely at its best uh but i i think at the same time i would say the action is definitely a little inconsistent because while i'd say the shootouts were great the hand-to-hand fight stuff we need to stop with the damn shaky cam i think as john wick 3 showed uh, you know earlier this summer if hand-to-hand combat's really at its best when you just kind of plant the camera give audiences a clear view of what's going on and just let let people go at it like let's let's have be able to see things clearly by having uh, the camera constantly shake and move and it's like oh what's going on what's going on it's like it's never a fun way to watch an action scene and it's just become so played out since like the jason bourne movies uh kind of originated it it's definitely become a very commonplace cliche in action and i I wish this movie was able to execute the shooting sequences just as good as the hand-to-hand because you got dave bautista there you got a a wwe guy uh you know the, the the potential was there for kind of some some memorable moments but i think this movie's biggest downfall is also a kind of oddly enough its biggest strength is it's just this kind of very light and you know breezy movie that it doesn't really try to do anything particularly new with the kind of buddy comedy subgenre the story beats are so predictable you can set your watch to when certain plot moments are going to happen oh you know they're not happy with each other now the kind of generic arc you know there's a daughter character uh dick's uh, daughter played by natalie morales uh, who's a good actress uh, she she really doesn't have much to do and until a, you know a pretty obvious plot twist happens in the third act that's very predictable it's just the story it, it it's just it lags and it's just not effective but i think I credit Dows as a director and also this cast for kind of being self-aware of that. This isn't a movie you go and see for the story. It's about the stars and kind of just having a good time and kind of the chemistry. And 
in that sense, I think the movie excels enough. It's definitely nothing you're going to remember in a few months or, you know, be like, oh, wow, it's one of the best movies of the summer or anything. But as a solid kind of matinee type watch, it's breezy enough and has enough humor and action that I think it'll entertain. So I, I give Stuber a six out of 10 if it's still playing in theaters near you and you have some interest in it. It's a fun enough watch. Uh, definitely also a movie I think you could kind of wait to see on streaming. You know, if you saw it on streaming, I think you'd be like, oh, you know, that was a good movie. Uh, but I, I think I would recommend people see it because I, I think for me at least, this felt like a very kind of refreshing counterbalance to kind of the bombast of the summer blockbuster season you know every action movie has to be something like spider-man or avengers where it's this big epic fight it, it was a it's great to see a movie where it's just a very low stakes story you know very tight very kind of low budget but it, it, it felt refreshing and how kind of it, it, it reminiscent of all kind of old school summer movies like kind of rush hour like in the 2000s in you know i don't want to say like not lethal weapon obviously but you know those kind of movies where they they're not as made as commonly as they are today so it's cool that this came out i'm sad it didn't it's not really doing great at the box office but like i said with the art of self-defense i think this is a movie that could definitely find an audience come streaming and i think it'll be a fitting streaming release but that's the show today uh yeah i ran 30 minutes uh, so pretty good uh, thank you for tuning in i'll try to do a best of worst of show and uh, review of once upon a time in hollywood probably next week since i'm going on vacation this week uh and along with hobbs and shaw but until then thank you for tuning in you can find this at spotify apple Podcasts, and among others uh Yeah, have a great day.